The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Good evening, Kate. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to SA Viewpoint. Thank you. Good evening, Sogezo. You heard that last bit in Francois's comments in Water and Rights. Perhaps that would be a good start for us to have this conversation as the Managing Director of Interwaste. Let's talk about the role of waste management in water sustainability, especially in the context of water being a basic human right. Thank you. Yeah, that was a great introduction because I think it is a basic human right to have access to water and sanitation. And in South Africa, we know uh, specifically um, we have a lot of people who do, who do not uh, are not fortunate enough to have those basic human rights. And so there's a long way to go. So water is critical. Water is our life, and water is a, a, a scarce resource which we seem to take for granted. So the purpose of World Water Day really is to bring awareness to water. And the theme this year is an interesting one. It's to to really question what is the value of water. And I think it raises many issues for us to consider um, in the country. That question then, how might we begin to answer it? How might or how should we begin to engage it as individuals so that we have a collective understanding as to, first of all, the looming crisis that the country is in, Mm. if not the crisis the country in fact is in. I was in Port Mm. Alfred over the weekend. My sister tells me at home for two months they've been relying on water from the tanks they've collected over time. I mean, if anybody has been to Port Alfred, you know you simply don't consume the tap water. It's not potable. That water that rubbish water that Port Alfred gives its residents is now not available. We clearly have a crisis. We're just not calling it that. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. And actually, the more the more data you start when you start researching it, um, it's quite alarming. I do think we have a crisis. And I think, um, you know, if you think of the energy crisis, um, we all, we've sort of adapted to load shedding. It's inconvenient for sure. It definitely has an economic impact. But I'll tell you one thing is I'd much rather have load shedding than no water. The moment you have no, no access to water, you really realize and value um, how important it is to your life. And so your, your point about Port Alfred is valid. You know, why do we have a water crisis? South Africa, for many years, um, we, we, we've actually had some of the cleanest drinking water globally. I mean, mo- many countries globally, you can't turn on a tap and drink our water. Correct. And still in most of our urban areas, you can. And, and so that we have the luxury of, of that. And that's possibly made us complacent. Um, I think that the crisis, there are, many, there are many contributing factors to heading towards a, a, a water crisis. We are a semi-arid country as such. I know climate change, some people don't like to talk about or find it ethereal, but we do have these extreme weather conditions or changing weather patterns, which, which is having impact on our, on our water system. We have a growing population. And then we have all the other physical effects of lack of investment in infrastructure, this uh, severe increase in pollution, which, you know, You'd maybe not notice immediately, but we're really starting to feel the effects of. And the effects of the fact that most of our population, actually, or our rural population, are very reliant on our river sources. And they draw water, as you say, as your previous uh, um, interviewer said. You know, people have to walk miles to those water systems. And it's not clean. It's not healthy. Um, so there's many health issues from that. But even our municipalities are drawing our fresh water or drinking water from those systems. And because of the pollution, the actual ability to recycle, make that water usable to be potable is costing a lot of money and having an impact on their overburdened system. So, you know, we have many contributing factors. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we saw what happened in Cape Town. That was a, a really fascinating 
case study in terms of change of behavior and ability to finally get a collective. Everyone came together to save day zero. It was rather critical. The question is, though, what have we learned from that? Or have we all gone back to our old ways of doing things? I was just about to comment on that. Sorry to interrupt you. No problem, no problem. The behavioral change comes because of necessity. And the minute, if you like, the necessity levels of what would have precipitated that behavioral change drops. So we just go back to our default settings. I mean, nobody is concerned in the Western Cape or Cape Town now as much as Day Zero was about golf courses and how they irrigate, about how homes use their irrigation systems. All of it, largely anyway, is potable water. How car wash facilities are just indifferent in terms of how water is used, more particularly when people don't pay for the water themselves. So those default settings that we always had which changed because of day zero, and then day zero became day a million because now suddenly there was rains and water again was there. We just go back. How do we sustain behavioral changes about such critical things as is the scarcity of water? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great question. It's a great challenge for us because we all know change is hard and behavioral change to implement and make it hard um, is, is hard and needs real motivation. Um, and so, so it stems from firstly education and awareness, and that's why you know why do we have Human Rights Day? Why do we have one one World Water Day? How can it change something? Um, it can hopefully make some sort of difference, but we need to build that awareness, that education, and understand that it doesn't happen overnight. So we need proper systems and processes in place across the board, from our, our own homes to government to industries, to really start having a long-term sustainable view to, to water. And, and, and we can't have a crisis. Um, we typically change under crisis, but can we not try and build enough awareness to start habits and changes in all our lives to, to really make a difference? And, um, you know, there, there, there are different ways of doing that. So, so in your home, it could have an economic benefit. You know, save Stop the leak because water is becoming more expensive. If you have access to to, to potable water, um, there are lots of little habits: shower shorted, brush your teeth, turn turn off the water when you're brushing your teeth. So there are lots of good habits for your home. Mm. Uh, from an industry perspective, industries use a large amount of water. I mean, there are many processing, and that's that's where companies with now sustainability at their heart are really looking at reducing. So so with waste, any type of waste management actually. The start is really to try and avoid waste. So stop waste right at the beginning. Find ways to conserve your water. Um, change your processes that, uh, you know, as you, you mentioned car washers. They often, yes, they're using potable drinking water to wash a car. Many companies can actually use recycled water for washing, irrigation, you know, dust suppression. That, that they don't need to use potable or clean water for that. So municipalities are uh, putting in stricter measures. I know many industries have been, uh, that's either an incentive or a penalty that they have to reduce their water consumption, municipal water consumption by 15% this year, which forces change uh, from a legislative perspective to liquid waste is banned from landfills um, for many reasons. And the, the positive of that is it's forcing companies with liquid type of effluent waste to find different ways to reprocess and treat that. And that inevitably also puts an opportunity, but pressure on companies like ours to look for um, and, and invest in uh, liquid waste treatment plants to assist our clients with that. And so it's a collective effort across the board of many different things. I think ultimately, I mean, on the positive is that a lot of liquid waste can be recycled, repurposed. There's no silver bullet, but the technology available nowadays can convert, you know, effluent back into 
uh, a usable water, not always potent, uh, po- potent <laughs> potable, but um, <laughs> certainly to be able to be reused. So there are opportunities, but it takes effort from all sides. We are all accountable for water. Sure, we, we can't sit back and blame government or blame industry. Let's listen to one of our listeners who has something to say on this topic. Chapter 2. To you, brother Songezo, and your guest. South Africa has water in abundance. We are not short of water. It's poor management of our water systems that has created the crisis we find ourselves in. Thank you. From chapter two. Short and sweet, very simple. You know, we will have to probably spend a bit more time after the break, which we have to take now, but I just want you to think about how industry, industry licenses, have to, from a government intervention perspective and monitoring and evaluation related holding to account in the instance of such a license itself being breached, however so, by industries, how do we inculcate a culture at industry level in terms of the correct behaviors and modelings of ways of handling water precisely for this issue? I accept I am as guilty as anybody else might be guilty in terms of my own behavior at home in a domestic setup, how I could be worth 10 liters less in a day if I was just conscious around water. But the real effect, I would put it to you, and of course you're more than welcome to disagree with me, industries, industries in this country, big business, largely speaking, are, if not indifferent, have not been held to account for transgressions around water. And I'm just minded to think about this British company that made the news sometime last year in Durban, who since packed up and left, and they dropped a lot of sort of toxic metals in the Durban water systems. There are many. Mining companies are oftentimes guilty of this. Anyway, think about that, please, Case Stubbs. After the break, we're going to talk about industry and how they are held accountable for when they do not do what they is what, what is right around water. <laughs> The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. Let's go to Scully in KZN as well. Good evening, Scully. Good evening to you, Sengezo. Thank you for taking my call. Sengezo, water, the most, um, water is life. There'll be wars fought for water. As it is, it's happening up Africa. You know, if we, if we do some research, you'll find out that. Mm-hmm. And there's not much awareness our municipality or the government puts out to locals, you know. And, 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 and when in the pipe bust situation, water leaks for days and days, uh, no attendance. There is no much awareness of water, which is the most common commodity of life. There's water in everything around you, you see. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much, Scully. Much appreciated. It's true. Water is life. Critical point. There will be, if not already, wars because of water. Let's deal with that very critical point before we go back to industries and water. Kate? Yeah, I think... uh, (laughs) I think your call had a very valid point there too. Um, water is life, but also that uh, um, you know there's, there's no awareness and there's no sense of urgency. It appears to be dealing with this issue, and I think uh, it's almost heartbreaking. It's a really emotive subject, but uh, um, do we need to do we need to let it get to that point to war, or 
or is there not enough water actually for everyone, not only in South Africa, but globally? Um, it just takes a change of human behavior and a little bit more connectedness to our ecosystem and care for that in order to make sure we can create a sustainable environment for everyone. How so, can businesses use water more efficiently? How yeah. can the relationship business has with profit not come at the expense of water and or water quality? Mm. Um, I think many businesses now are slowly starting. Some are, some are. I mean, the industries that are really forward-thinking in the space, and then you you get the the, the followers. So, from and I'll put water into that whole point of waste, of of energy, of of waste as a resource to really look at that. And there's a there's a, a concept now called the circular economy, which really looks at redesigning your systems to make sure that you. Do not create waste anywhere in the system, in your entire value chain, and that whatever waste that you are creating can be reused. So you, if you take that in the concept of water, mm. companies need to look at their processes from start to finish. How are we using water? Do we need what type of water? How can we reuse that water? And what are the other ways or different systems and changes that we can adopt to reduce our consumption? First, reduce. Let's start with reducing our consumption of water and then you know, lots of processes still required if we are creating wastewater. How can we reuse it? Do we send it somewhere for reuse or, or do we have enough economies of scale on our site to implement technology to reuse on site? And there are lovely case studies of that in the country. Um, those are the forward-thinking companies. But yes, um, you mentioned too about uh, uh, government and holding companies liable for pollution. And, you know, we have some of the most forward-thinking legislation in terms of waste because it's it's new. Our, our waste legislation, waste was only written into our legislation in 1989. So we, we do at least have forward-thinking, quite robust legislation regulations, but are, is it being enforced? And the answer is no. I mean, and then how how do you, I mean, were those companies held accountable for, for pollution? I mean, I, I, I spent a bit of time on the waterways in, in Joburg. I'm a paddler, and it's devastating. It's devastating to paddle down a river in Joburg. I mean, the pollution, <laughs> and it's not only municipal, you've got raw sewage flowing into these rivers. You've got chemicals, you've got toxins everywhere you go. And it's, it's, it's when you physically see that, it's, it's really quite devastating. And you ask, well, where, why, how? Who, who's, why is no one being held accountable for this? Jay in. Jay, KZN, good evening. Good evening to you. Uh, your name is so tongue twisting. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna call, uh, oh, I can't get it. So I'm going to call you. Okay, and good evening to our guests. Yes, um, it's a very sad uh, thing that I've been noticing this couple of days that people are carrying containers, 20, 25 liters of water on their head and two hands are carrying containers. And I stopped and asked them, what, uh, what is happening? They, they said their area, they've got no water. Then I asked him, where are you getting the water from? He said somewhere down. It so happened I had to come back to the gate and I noticed this guy was squatting near a meter. I went nearby. That water meter was cut and he was filling his water from there. So even though you report to municipality, nobody does anything. Hello? I'm here. Hello? Yeah. What I want to know, isn't it possible for the municipality, the water department, now that so many people that are unemployed, they're giving this 
uh, food ampoule, that uh, money, 350 rand, encourage them to do uh, search and uh, research and then do assessment in each area and come up where these water meters are outside of premises. They should be put into the premises of the property. So in this way, we won't have water running freely. And um, it's so unfortunate. I've been told of many times I must just mind my own business. It's got nothing to do with me. Thank you for your thoughts, Jay. Kate will respond. Let's quickly take a call. Jay Ibrahim in Cape Town. Yeah, okay. Kate, the guest is not on the line now. Okay. Um, do you want to respond probably in a minute because that's all we have left in relation to the call of Jay and some of the salient features that listeners, where they are right now, should take home with them in the context of waste management, in water sustainability, what the individual at home can and should do? Yeah, I think specifically on the point about water meters, I, I mean, I can't comment other than to say it is frustrating. And I think, you know, different municipalities, different services. But yes, I think our general feeling is the lack of urgency and, and support in sorting out our water issues. I think as a, as a lot of things thought, um, I just ask everyone, and I've spent some time today reflecting, we really need to become more conscious about our water. Let's, uh, South Africa, when we have a collective cause, we can do amazing things. There's lots of innovation. There's already great systems and processes, small businesses being innovative in this space. But it takes every single one of us to start raising awareness and putting pressure where the where pressure is right, be it industry, be it on government, be it on our municipalities, be it in our homes. To, to be more conscious of water, to conserve it, and find ways to recycle and reuse it. Have some fun with it. I mean, our kids are great. Start there. Um, we've seen we can do it in Cape Town, but let's not wait for a crisis. Let's not wait for a war. Let's start now. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for your time, MD at Interwaste, Ms. Kate Stubbs, talking to us about the role of waste management in water sustainability. Hashtag World Water Day. The time is 21 hours.